and we have the fabulous Mr. McKinney and my darling longtime friend Catherine and Spawn calling in from Utah. Calling in from a, a you know a really beautiful place where people are all moving here and it's just very exciting. I'm at the Ingalls and Volker Mark Sletton office uh, with John M. Walker and things are happening here. It's beautiful and people are moving west. They are. They are and real estate is booming and that gives me chills to say anything is booming during COVID because what a ride we have been on. But let's start by talking about why we're here. We are all living the authentic life and you guys are two of the most authentic people I know. Uh, we every week come to this amazing studio at RFC Media with Adam Andrus, our sound engineer. I couldn't live without, but we talk about commitment and purpose and connection and both of you have committed your lives to art and history and people. And your whole world is filled with creativity and the journey from where we came to where we're going. And with COVID and with everything happening in our world today, I think art and history are being discussed even more because it's such an expression of self. It's such a way that we connect. And uh, Catherine, you two have the most incredible um, bio, so I'm just going to talk briefly and then we'll talk about all of it as we go through the discussion. But you actually have an art history master's and a BA from Rice University, our um, hometown university, but you're from Pittsburgh, obsessed with Warhol. And you have been with Paper City and you work with Houston, Dallas, Fort Worth, and this amazing opportunity COVID has brought us is now we can kind of work wherever we are in the world and do what we do. And Mr. McKinney, you two connected to create this amazing, um, is it a podcast? It's a radio show? You know, it, it's it's an on-air show. It's called The Houston Hour, and Catherine was one of the founders of the show, and uh, and it's been it's been a blessing. It's, it was a, it was an awesome um, you know opportunity to really showcase uh, arts, history, Houston happenings. These amazing guests we've had over the course of a year, and and the show's been on for a year on KPFT ninety point one. So uh, yeah, we've really enjoyed it. But your claim to fame is the <laughs> incredible history bus. Yeah. And you are able to operate during COVID, aside from the hot temperatures in Houston. If we were in Utah, Catherine, oh, yeah. he'd be filling that bus every night, right? And they'd be having blankets <laughs> on. So tell us what you do in your bus. Absolutely. Well, it's called the Houston History Bus. It's an open air concept. Actually, Catherine was one of the first ones on the bus, and they covered it, Aww. the early stages of it, you know. And there we, was a, we got to do that story. Maybe th was it three years ago? It yeah. was three years ago when, when we first launched it. You're right. It was. It's been three years. Uh, August, uh, you know, is when we launched it. 2017. You know, right, uh, right before Harvey actually hit, we launched the bus. So it was, uh, it was, it was challenging to because we wanted to go out there and really do awesome tours and help people out, and uh, and we just didn't get that opportunity in the beginning though but you know Catherine covered it from the start and uh, went on the holiday tour that we did Mary Mansions oh, that with holiday the... tour was so that was so fantastic just enchanting and what I loved what what was really impressed me some of the people had come in with their children from you know kind of distant suburbs and it was just you know it was a really delightful and it was wrapped up with signature 
you know, kind of the holiday and the lights and the history and then signature cocktails, including Miss Hima Hogg's special recipe. Yeah, the Bayou Bender. Yeah, it was through a partnership O-M-G. with the Houstonian. Oh, That is the <laughs> best name, the Bayou Bender. It's it's uh, it's all in the name. It's Maker Mark. It's Maker's Mark. It's uh, infused with oranges, and she lets it sit for a couple of weeks, and uh, it just infuses, and that's her recipe. And, uh, and yeah, Bayou Bender at the Houstonian Hotel Club and Spa. They, they still serve it there if you ask for it. Okay, well, we got to go because that's our club. Yeah. So uh, both of you are living out your purpose in such an incredible way because you found a way to take what you love and translate it into a career. And there's been so many quotes about that. Catherine, how did you – I mean, you people say this is a dream job. You're working with the most incredible – Houston Magazine, meeting with these people, when I look at the list of people you interviewed, like I can't even name all the people. How did you stumble upon this? Well, you know what? It was just, I mean, I I was working at a, you know, sort of a very gritty inner city, you know, as a contributor of Public News, which is sort of a legendary music magazine. And then it was bought out by Houston Press. And then I'd seen Paper City and I just you know, that was in the 90s and the beautiful photography. And it was also, it gave a vision of what Houston, you know, this people were moving, moving back to Houston in the 90s that had grown up here. They had careers in New York and LA and they were moving back and kind of remaking the city. You know, there was the Hog Palace Lofts down to all these things were going on. And, you know, so I called Holly Moore and I made an appointment and Holly's just great. And she said, well, let's, let's give this a try. And you know, we just began and that was 1998. And I was a contributor for several years. I worked in the New York market in a sales job. So I would cover the arts from Houston, come home. And I really, but, and then all of a sudden the magazine was expanding tremendously in 2004. So Jim Castleman, we'd worked on a project with the hobby center when it first opened. And he said, well, would you like to, you know, he called me up one afternoon and I was kind of, I had my own PR company for a year temporarily. And I was just kind of over it. And he said, we want you to come on board full time. And I'm just like, yes. And every, my whole world changed. And, and Holly is um, Holly Moore and Jim Castleman. It's, it's just such a great, and we work with amazing people and everyone's really excited about what they do. And the magazine has really, um, you know, I think my dad used to say a great newspaper leads the town. Well, I feel like paper city's a reflection of Houston, the diversity and Dallas and really where we are as, as, you know, these great places in Texas and, the community and i remember covering you donay and rob yes. and you, you know co- you were the first to cover us and it, it in essence put us on the map and that's what you said yeah. that really touched me too the way that you it gives me chills your ability to connect people is exceptional it's such a blessing to so many and and you do it with such kindness in your heart and such excitement. I mean, for lack of a better word, that's why I kept texting you guys. I'm like, I'm so excited. I'm like, I know there should be a more interesting word than excited, but your energy level, both of you, and that is incredible that you can do well, that with you're, your you're position. You're such high energy. And I remember seeing you again. We had this great conversation at, at you know, the, the Seraphim House. I think it was a New Orleans auction um, galleries event. And we hadn't really visited in a while and you're, we were talking about this, we want you to come on and you were so kind and had Susan Plum and myself on and now we're like when you text it was like yes we we, it, we got back to you like each of us in 12 <laughs> seconds Mr. McKinney is always it's true. first I was two it's seconds true. behind <laughs> well and so Mr. McKinney you're a historian yeah. 
but you find a way to make it so interesting. And I was telling you, our daughter, Bella, Catherine, she's in eighth grade now, 13 years old, which is crazy, right? Because I felt like you met her when she was a baby. But her favorite two classes are math and history. And I think it's incredible that we can look at that and enjoy the journey. But tell us about how you try to translate that you know, to kids. Absolutely. We, we try to make history fun because uh, not everybody is enthusiastic as, as I am or as your daughter is or as you are about Houston history specifically. And that's what I only focus on is Houston history. I mean, I've got a knowledge of Texas history, of course, but I'd really like to hone it down to Houston, you know, from really from 1824, you know, the Harrisburg days all the way to present day. So we'll focus on that and with the variety of tours that we offer on board the bus. And what most people don't realize is we actually offer the tours free of charge to the public. We're a nonprofit organization, so we rely on grants, individuals that contribute generously, and there's no shortage of that here in Houston. We've always seen that over the years, of course, and and it's very you know low cost to operate the bus, and that was the choice was to uh, you know offer this as a public service, uh, and we do a variety of tours. Now you can rent the bus out privately, of course, for whatever you want to do, and that's that's uh, certainly encouraged because that helps to further the free tours we offer the public. Um, but we do a downtown tour uh, that we do during August when it's Houston's birthday in the evening. Uh, we do. Uh, I serve on the board of Miller Outdoor Theater, so we do a really fun uh, Herman Park Museum District, uh, you know, uh, Texas Medical Center tour that we offer uh, when you make a donation to, to, to Miller uh, during their campaign season. So yeah, just a bunch of fun ways. Haunted Houston, River Oaks Christmas Light Tour, partnerships with Houstonian that Catherine mentioned earlier that we went on. That was a fun way. They reached out to uh, to us about doing something with that, and and uh, and that's what we do. We just make it fun and different and unique. And and I speak at a lot of events, you know, pre-COVID, uh, nine retirement homes on a monthly basis. I would go into the spaces and talk to them, and those were paid gigs, and that was a lot of fun to be able to uh, to really just share Houston history, but also learn, learn from these amazing Houstonians. What's What, what Catherine also mentioned, too, people coming back to Houston in the 90s, what's yes. interesting about Houston is it's the kind of city that you want to come back to. I, I know people from all over the, the, the nation that, you know, they kind of roll their eyes when they mention their hometown or they're like, I'm not going to go back to that, that place, you know, and it's like, well, why not? And, but Houston, people can't wait to get back to Houston. You go away to have new experiences and to learn, whether it's yeah. through college or whether it's through, you know, the arts, and then you get to come back here and re-contribute to the city. And that's what I think makes Houston so wonderful is that people embrace this city in a way they can't wait to come back and help. And cost of living is low here. And, uh, you, you know, you just, it's, the, it's the biggest small town that we have. And I, I think people love that. And you mentioned Harvey yeah. earlier, and I think that was the greatest testament to us coming together as a city. And also recently, the way that we um, uh, managed um, and honored the life of George Floyd and did it in such a peaceful way with so many different diverse parts of our community coming together to do it and I think that's what makes us different than other really big cities is people can look at going back to connection people can say you're different than me but we respect each other for the place where you are and I um, I think that history helps us to do that there's a lot of discussion about art or statues maybe mm -hmm. not representing things in the right way um, 
but not from a political aspect, from a historian aspect. Can you sure. Yeah, we just share... celebrated a milestone, for example. Uh-huh. Houston just celebrated its 184th birthday this Sunday, uh-huh. August 30th, 1836. Houston was founded uh, as an actual town, and, and, and Allen Brothers advertised that. So that milestone date, we kind of looked at, at that date to reflect on where we've been the last 184 years. And what's interesting is Houston has always been a diverse city. It has always oh. been a third, a third, a third of a different population. So it's never really been, I mean, and when I say that, you know, Which we look Interesting. It's very yeah. it interesting. Uh-huh. And but you got to think about that. Houston has always been this real estate experiment where we don't really care, you know, who you are and where you're from as long as you want to come here and contribute then you're welcome here. And that's the most important thing about Houston. It's very much a can-do city. You know, there's other cities, and I'm not going to mention Dallas, but, you know, well, they they care who your family is in some cases, right? We don't care who your daddy is here in Houston or how much money you have. As long as you're willing to work hard and contribute, then you're welcomed here. And that's what makes the Houston story such a success. It's interesting. One of my friends who's from an old Texas ranching family is an Mm -hmm. artist, Nancy Mm O'Connor. She said, Houston's a real maverick city. And if you look at the people and, you know, Mr. McKinney, you're so knowledgeable about that Glenn McCarthy. I mean, these are, this is the man from Giant. I mean, we have all these people, Jesse Jones, and it's not a city where people, there are corporations here, but it's the person, you know, it's the, it's, it's like that. And, you know, there were these individuals bigger than life and they were truly mavericks and it's a different, it's a, it's a mindset. So they, were able to accept other mavericks and somebody that, you know, just had more of a scrappy upbringing, right? Yeah, you know, Houston's been a very much a blank canvas for so many people that have left their mark on the city. As Catherine mentioned, Glenn McCarthy, you know, we think of him mostly for his 1949 Shamrock Hotel, uh, you know, but but he really was uh, this larger than life character. He owned a bunch of newspapers, this, all the citizen newspapers. I don't think the only one's left is a Pasadena citizen, but he owned them and he was involved in media on a radio station as well, uh, multiple real estate ventures, and really bit off more than he can chew, and that was kind of his downfall. Um, but uh, but still took chances, you know, and Jesse H. Jones early on embraced him, but towards the end kind of just like Roy Hoffines kind of got to know what these young whippersnappers kind of not really taking too many chances, right? The old establishment like for the people to kind of play it somewhat safe because they remember, uh, you know, when, when things were, you know, not the same. So, um, so yeah, it's just fun to see all these Houstonians that have just taken chances and been successful and we have a better Houston for them. You know, we just lost a giant, you know, Catherine Ansbaum, but we just lost Geraldine Hines, you know, uh, oh, Gerald. oh. 95 years old, you know, and we, you know, we had Barbara Hines on the show, you know, she was one of the arts guests and, and Catherine was awesome in that interview that we did with Barbara Hines and uh, just really being able to see someone's legacy, you know, from a distance uh, and what he contributed. I mean, every time I look up at the skyline, you think of Geraldine Hines and, you know, we're in the gallery and now, for example, you look out the window and you see his legacy sprinkled throughout and we can only imagine that the hundreds and thousands of people that he actually inspired, uh, you know, by, by quality and leadership that he, you know, possessed in, this, in the Hines building, so... Well, my background, and you might not even know this, is the marble industry. My family owns a marble company. So I was in construction for 22 years before I entered the fashion industry or the luxury industry. Was that Cangelosi? That was Cangelosi. We're still out there selling marble and granite, and the family's still doing it and carrying on that journey. And that was another thing. When you say if you're willing to contribute, I remember when I made the choice at 40 to change careers Mm -hmm. and I became the vintage Contessa and I met people that I met Catherine and she said, well, let me feature you. And it's like, you don't care that I don't, I didn't come up doing this, but I had grit and tenacity. I had 
a work ethic. And I and um, Angela Duckworth talks about grit so much. And that's what these mavericks had to overcome was this grit to stick with things. And I think that um, with oil, I mean, to be in the oil and gas industry, we all have to be gritty. And then we have so incredible the medical um, industry here. I mean, what we're experiencing with the Texas Medical Center. But let's talk about art, too, because I think that art has so much more art fashion sometimes they go together i worked with you on the collaboration with the center for contemporary craft oh, the, the craft center with the handbags and everything that was absolutely amazing and the artist interventions it was I incredible mean- and so i worried when covid hit what what place fashion had in this in this world that was um focused on health and safety and i realized it was a creative outlet and when people are in pain or they're stressed, they want a creative outlet. And I think the way that you express history is a creative outlet. You are, and from fashion standpoint, you are always impeccably dressed. <laughs> and Catherine, I love your style. And let's talk about like what place art, fashion, all of this has in our city. I mean, New York's known as this place, but there's so much incredible art and history in this city. Catherine, do you want to share first? Well, yes, I think, you know, Houston is a city where there's accessibility and access and you can get, you know, tap in and and then it's the way people layer on, you know, it's not, and I don't feel like the term siloed, I feel like, you know, the groups all work together, the museums mm-hmm. work together, you know, we can fold in fashion components. And also I think, you know, we, we, we have to all kind of blend different groups. And, you know, the Houston's philanthropic scene is tremendous. And then the arts, arts groups are always looking for new people to be brought on, new people to brought, be brought on the boards, the diversity. And there's so much here. And for a while, you know, we've got to just bring new people into all of that. And I think that's a really interesting time. And of, of course, with COVID, but it's made, you know, people sort of rethink, reconnect and there's more going on here where people really, they, they want to have a deeper connection. And then there are things here that like one of the, I'm kind of jumping ahead, but this is about creativity. One of the most mm-hmm. exciting projects we're covering, you know, is sort of an immigrant success story. It's Frank Liu with Love at Homes. And he's acquired this, the old central post office, which is actually relates to one of our greatest, greatest Barbara Jordan you know, and all of this. So that's going to be reimagined by Rem Coolhouse's office. And there will be a farm on the roof. It's very exciting. They have Christine Starkman, who is curative Asian art, and she is doing these big epic projects. And she did the the gunpowder installation with the Chinese artist Sal. And, you know, she just is, this is going to be transformative. This will be written about from around the world and it's the, the post office. So things like that. But here again, you know, if you look at that, that's Kirby Lou that's overseeing it, Frank's son. But, you know, Frank has an amazing story. And I think his the, the father just passed away. So they were Chinese. I think they immigrated from Vietnam. So this is all sort of our stories here. And then he it's Love at Homes, his name for Love at Hall, Hall Love at yes. University. So these are all kind of these stories with the different layers. And I just think, you know, this, this development is going to bring a lot of art interest. Mm-hmm. And it's also going to be great for the Houston, there's so many extraordinary international artists that are based in Houston. Trent and Doral Hancock's one of them, Ju Young Choi. So, you know, this is another element. This gives a platform. So ultimately we want to give a platform and really, 
Houston needs to do that and also promote the idea of collecting. I mean, all these things are in, you know, they sort of all interfold. The gallery scene here is extraordinary. So it's just very exciting, but you know, it's all accessible. If you want to reach somebody, you know, and then it's just, it seems like it's easier to do. They're not all these have to go to here, to here, to here. We don't have all those, those layers. It's just, you know, it's kind of a direct pipeline. It's exciting. So, so ironically, I'm in my second Frank Liu home and we worked with him at Cangelosi. So I know Frank Liu very well. He um, even jokingly would say to my dad, I want her to come on board and work with me. So we've talked about collaborating, but I think it's so, I, I agree with you where I, I spent a lot of time in New York and I'm sad to see how that, their journey and what, how affected they've been by COVID. But, um, but I think that like from years back, you can go, I bet if I called Frank Lou, he would pick up my call and talk to me because people are so intertwined in what they're doing and it is about collaboration and that's another big part of what I like to dive into about living the authentic life is I feel like most and we keep talking about this most of our journeys have been successful because of collaboration because we go in and we have united missions and purpose to better things and I was one of the first um, United States Green Building Council lead APs in the stone industry. And um, so I served on the United States Green Building Council Board of Directors in my former life. So the idea of having a farm on top of a building, using a post office, like translating it. And that was part of my journey with vintage estate pieces, too, is we're sustainable. We're using things from the past. I mean, this is And a that's part all of, really big yeah. now. It's I mean, preservation, too. Right? That, you were... That one of the you were the first person I knew about. Now you know. Now this is like very much in the language. But you were way. At, how long have you had the vintage? I opened the vintage Contessa in 2011. But Rob's had times passed for over 30 years, yeah, and we've so. been in that location for 20 years. And so again, that collaboration could be successful because he had the expertise of understanding date codes i say he can remember the date code of a watch or a coin but he can't remember his mom's birthday or mine but um, <laughs> we all have our specialties right so he like had the widget mind of all that stuff and i had the passion for the love of the product and the so together we could come together and that's what i found so amazing but i will say i enjoy y'all's videos you need to follow and like <laughs> y'all social media pages because it's a it's fun to see the two of y'all you know, just just be passionate about what you do, and it comes across really, really well that in all those videos. Extremely engaging, and the two of you have this, you know, repertoire. Yeah, see, like you're crazy about each other, but you're just very like funny, and it's yes. and it's also informative and just so engaging. It's like wow, like I uh, love your wacky watch Wednesday. Wacky watch Wednesday. I know it was such, and again, that was just uh, he's a car guy, and apparently there's something called wacky cars he's like is that where you got it I go i don't even know <laughs> like one day i go let's be wacky watch wednesday today and it kind of stuck but i feel like that's the message that i want everyone to hear yeah. from our guest is that, that every time is that if you if you believe in something if your heart is connected to something you can't just go get a job as the art editor or open a historian business but you follow your passions and you stick to your purpose and you stick to your core values and you stick to something bigger than yourself that 
that amazing things happen. And both of you have been so charitable. You've done amazing work with um, the leading yeah, these the, young women. You invited yeah. me to come and speak. And the youth council about- young men too. It's yeah. So this is one thing that I really enjoy doing. And Catherine's actually been involved too because she's come to our events and she's helped us out. We had our big uh, swearing in ceremony over at uh, Photo Relevance. That was really wonderful to be able to have the judge come and swear the kids in. Um, and yeah, it's it's one of the things that motivates me also is working with youth, especially with uh, high school kids because their whole worlds are ahead of them, right? And here they are, ready to make a change. And it just reminds me of you know of young people like Jesse H. Jones and you know and and uh, and Roy Hoffines. I mean, these people that are in Glenn MacArthur. We talked about them earlier. Just ripe to go out there and change the world. So uh, what you're mentioning, of course, the, the Leading Ladies Program, which is um, the, the female version of the Houston Air Youth Council on Service, which is the young men's version. We separate them for obvious reasons. We want them to focus on their individual passions. And uh, we started Youth Council on Service in 2002. Mm-hmm. And then in 2012, we started Leading Ladies. And that's the one that we had uh, mm-hmm. the, the Vintage Contessa come speak at, uh, to the girls and really motivate them about what you do. Um, and, yeah, it's just been great. It's been really great to be able to connect with them. And and I still keep in touch. Uh, you know, Isaac Saravia, who's worked on the Houston Hour show with us, our buddy Isaac. Oh, Isaac. Yeah, yes. yeah. He was a former president of the Youth Council. Oh. So, you know, a lot of these kids, as they, as they graduate, from college and they come back and they want to look for opportunities and just someone to help them guide them you know I've been honored to have them call upon me to help with that process and then they help us out because you know we're able to have them help with the shows that we do and just message out there uh, you know a lot of things I do on the bus when I go into HISD public schools and talk about Houston history with kids I typically have somebody videotape it or photograph Mm -hmm. it or help you know with that process and Mm -hmm. and those young men and ladies that have been able to to help Mm -hmm. uh, out sometimes they're alumni of the schools that we go into which is even better. Oh, so, yeah, so it's been a thrill. Are you still allowing people to join? Are you doing yeah, Zoom meetings? Good Is question. it an open opportunity if moms and dads if are listening? Yeah, if you're out there listening, it's only open to high school, uh, uh, sophomores, juniors, and seniors. The sophomore leadership program kicks off every September and then goes until uh, November. The applications are available for anybody listening out there. Uh, high school, again, sophomore, junior, senior, you can go to uh, leading uh, llinfo.org is where you can application for leading ladies, llinfo.org. And then for the young men, it's youth council, so it's ycinfo.org. So really easy to remember, a couple of letters, ycinfo.org or llinfo.org. And the applications are there to fill out. You can click what you're passionate about. There's different opportunities. Uh, you know, we're looking at how we're going to redo things during COVID, but, you know, the way the young people are very excited to be able to do things remotely, we can figure out a way. So, um, yeah. so yeah, we'll be kicking off. We're letting school start right now, get a little bit settled in, uh, see how all that process works out. And then a lot of what we do, too, is community service projects, and typically they're things that are outdoors. So we'll still be doing some hands-on service opportunities that are distance out, like we do a cemetery cleanup project, for example, and then uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do things that people will reach out to us, planting trees and things like that. So when those folks call upon a volunteer body, well, that's when the Youth Council and Leading Ladies are able to support them. And those are going to be things that we'll look at still doing that are somewhat distance and outdoors. So. Well, it's it's interesting. There's so many cliches about in giving we receive, but I do really believe that um, kids today are struggling with self-worth mm-hmm. or with um, so much out there on social media and how do they look and how does that appear to people. And when you take them out of that element and you put mm-hmm. them in a place that they can help the community and they can make a difference and they can learn about the history or the journey and they could see that they can make an impact or if just you as one person cares about them, it changes our community. And I think that's the most compelling uh, way that we can all come together is how 
we look at the youth, and that's been my greatest concern that I share with people about COVID is this journey that they're not together in school. And so much of school isn't just about the books. It's about the relationships and working it through. So I think that if you have a teenager that's struggling with emotional and there's so much despair out there and frustration, that by giving, there's sometimes oddly a huge boost to their uh, self-feeling. And what's great about the program with these youth also, it's citywide. So we have 16 different high schools, 180 students from all over the city of Houston, both public and private schools. So you can go to any school in our region, uh, you know, and public and private schools. So we have a mixture of kids that now, you know, I mean, they're not forced to work together, but by default, they end up working together and they get to know each other. So it's really interesting to have people from different backgrounds come together uh, for a common focus and a common cause. Like we wrap over 5,000 toys every single year. Actually, yeah. that toy drive. Catherine. That was so, that was one of the most, that was probably the most moving thing last year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, these toys are, w- w- remind me of the name of the school we went to, Mr. It, it, the, the Farias uh, Early Child Development Center, HISD has uh-huh. five of these, and Catherine uh-huh. joined us to hand out 5,000 toys. I mean, it was a big deal. We went around to these schools and handed out toys, uh, and, and it was such a pleasure to share what I do beyond the history stuff to folks, friends like Catherine, for example. And I, I mean, you said it best, you know, she seemed to be very moved by that. And every, everything was, you know, you know, wrapped and whether it was a different types of toys and the children were so excited there because this gets them, you know, ready to go to elementary school and the, the teachers, the principals and the energy and just it was and you never know what those kids what they're going to end up doing. I mean, they could be somebody that transforms the world, you know, serves in government, but the energy. And they were, it was just, I felt like crying. It was like, oh my gosh, the Santas and, you know, they were so, and then we got the notes. Yeah. So the notes, we had those up, you know, just, the, so we want to get the magazine more involved this coming year. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I definitely want to be involved. We're, yeah. we're part of, um, Bella and I do National Charity League. And again, because of COVID, you're not able to get out there but she while she's watching her videos or whatever is making cards for kids to inspire them so there's a backpack journey and there's just so many things that just by and it's also interesting to see what your children write when you say what's inspiring Mm -hmm. and that sometimes brings me to tears i'm like oh well i must be doing a good job because unfortunately they're beautiful (laughs) name in there your your book you and bella did i mean you know that's just so you know, about the little girl that was sick. And it's just, it's such a, you know, it's, it's a heart book, you know, it really is. Well, um, and I think that that's, um, I think it's all part of the journey and we do so much. Tell us about like some of the things that, like your next big project, you mentioned the next well, the book new is, thing. It's sort of an epic project. So I need to, you know, we, we've done so much photography and we're, we're returning to photography, but you know, like big projects, you just have to pace yourself. And then I think with everything going on with COVID, we've been pivoting at the magazine and have done some, you know, sort of creative ways to reimagine. We have um, done some really interesting photo shoots. The September issue is just coming out. And we were looking, this location just appeared. And this is again, through someone in the art world we covered. Dallas McNamara has Cherryhurst House, this historic bungalow. And she has preserved it, but it's an art space. And then next door, there was another bungalow that's been an artist residency, but um, uh, Dan Havel and Dean Ruck, who did the famous Inversion Coffee House, they came there and they kind of cut into the bungalow and reimagined it, which is amazing. And now there's another artist there that's painted onto that, um, Todd Bailey. So we were 
we we needed to shoot in Houston and we got a Dallas crew down here. We were, we were without a location and Michelle, our director said, okay, who can we call? So we called Dallas McNamara. She was in Florida. We reached her, she said yes. And you know, just this just all happened. And this was literally two days before the photo shoot. And Michelle's like, the crew's coming down. What are we gonna do? And and this this is very exciting. So this is appearing in the September issue. And that's just such a great, it's just a really amazing part of the city and Dallas and the artists and Barbara, uh, Barbara Levine and Paige, um, Paige Ramey, who were sort of the founding artists there. And their vernacular collection of vintage photography is headed to the MFAH. So they're just really interesting power women. So this came together. And then the other part of the photo shoot, it's coming out, I guess, in October issue is historic properties the um, Bryan Museum in Galveston in the Moody Mansion. So that Michelle took a crew down there. So it's just, we're very exciting. So that's kind of coming out. And we're also tracking the new Houston Botanic Garden, which opens in September, which is the decommissioned golf course. And that is very exciting. So we're, you know, I don't know, we're, we're in the thick of, uh, I, I'm here in Utah writing Houston stories. <laughs> and the, least... oh, the other thing is the Rothko Chapel is, is, is reopening and there, it will be, this is a complete, complete um, reimagining and the chapel was taken down to studs. There's a visitor center. This is a, a, like a $35 million campaign or more. And this is reopening at the end of September. So we have, ha have tapped Robert Morris, the architect who has stories about originally worked on the chapel with Morris Aubrey when Mrs. Demonil guided that. And the, the new lighting system, it's beautiful and it's just, it's extraordinary because they never they always they never could solve the light and they're they're celebrating their 50 years in night in coming up in 2021 so that's another story we're working on so that's anyway it's exciting wow yeah so tell us about your next journeys you oh. even have a drink oh, yeah. <laughs> oh <laughs> mr mckinney's he has two drinks. <laughs> well, there are two drinks, and they've both been covered in Paper City. Uh, the one, the first one's a cocktail. It's called the Mister McKinney, and it was named um, Corey Williams, who works at the Houston Club, which I'm a member of. Uh, he created this cocktail for me, and then my one of my students, Bill Bedner, has a bar on Main One Ten Main called Lillian Bloom, and he uh, carries the drink over there, and or, or, or still actually still does because all this stuff is pre-COVID, right? But um, but yeah, it's just a, it's Hendrix gin and it's elderflower and it's some other great uh, mashed up cucumber and tahina around the rim so it's a fun little drink that, that they created for me which i was very pleased and and, and flattered and then uh, this juice drink my friend jess uh huffman owns a place called nourish juice bar with her two and other nourish. brothers and yeah, nourish and uh, they have a drink called the Mintster McKinney, and that's a non-alcoholic uh, juice drink. Um, and it has carrots and kale and and, and spinach and some other great uh, goodies in there, including mint. Uh, and that's to play on words. So those are, those are fun little ways that uh, we can promote health. And and I, you know, I'm I'm not a disciplined vegan, but I'm somebody who tries to eat as you know as, as well as I can in non-processed foods. So a lot of that has. Uh, been a success in, in the way that I live healthy uh, the last couple of years now. So I've enjoyed that. So yeah, the drink connects with all that. Uh, and then the, the real big project that I'm so pleased is this new live uh, show that we do over at the Heritage Society. And Catherine and I had the pleasure of chairing their gala uh, last year, the Big Natsu O Gala, which is this um, 
throwback to a carnival that took place here in Houston from 1899 to 1915. Uh, you know, Jesse H. Jones was a former king of the, uh, you know, you know, not so a carnival. You had John Henry Kirby, for example, also a former king. And, and it was it was to really honor the cotton harvest that happened here in Houston. So it was done by the Chamber of Commerce and by other uh, civic individuals to get together to really promote Houston as the cotton capital, which is what it was. You know, this is Monroe Dunaway Anderson time period. This is really, you know, at, at, at the height of uh, the ship channel. Uh, you know, it, you know, coming to fruition here in Houston, and uh, and that event is uh, was a lot of fun. We had pleasure at the Rice Hotel, Catherine's old stomping grounds, where where she uh, used to live at. So really neat to be able to take it there. Back in the day, I know. <laughs> But the show that we do is a live show at the Heritage Society every single Wednesday at 7 o'clock. It's on Facebook Live and Instagram Live. It's called Live from is the Heritage Society. Is that 7 a.m.? 7, 7 p.m. Uh, okay, okay, yeah. good. I, yeah. uh, 7 a.m. I know you do have those early morning gigs, Mr. McKinney. We, we do every now and then. Oh, the TV show. So, you know, we go on the air all the time, uh, you know, on, on Channel 11. And that's early, early in the morning. Uh, but this one's fun because it's in the evening. And we really mm-hmm. partner up with local historians. And it goes back to that collaboration question or, or comment you made earlier. Mm-hmm. It's so critical to promote and work together and collaborate with folks. And we do a lot of that, at least I do, with the Houston History Bus. You know, we'll have folks come on board the bus and let them do a tour, you know, uh, of what, what what they're passionate about. Because these mm-hmm. individuals that focus on specific areas of Houston, uh, whether it's a specific architect and their body of work or whether it's a specific, uh, you know, neighborhood in Houston – you know, they have studied and researched that part of Houston far more than I have. And what better way to have them on the bus teaching about that particular area? And I'll, I'll typically offer comments. A good collaboration I can mention is one we did with Gonzo 247, the mural artist. And oh. we had, yeah, we had Gonzo on board the bus. And we do this all the time, you know, pre-COVID. And we'll probably do it again, you know, in October when the weather gets nicer. And it's always upon request where the two of us will go on board the bus bus holds 20 people. Uh, it, you know, it's open air, so the top is cut off. Obviously, the best way to see these murals. So Gonzo will talk about the mural on the building, and I'll talk about the history of the building the mural's oh, on. So cool. Yeah, and the history of the neighborhood. So it really is this wow. two for package where the two of us are out there really educating you about art and history in one in one hour setting. So it really is fun. So again, collaborations are critical. Always been a big fan of them. I think it's important. I do preface all of my lectures and tours by saying that, you know, I don't know everything about Houston history. Nobody does. Any historian out there that claims to know everything is lying because no one was here 184 <laughs> years ago, right? We're constantly learning from other people and, and, and you know, interviewing and researching with people that have come before me is critical and I, I, I honor them for what they've done. But that show that we do every single Wednesday at 7 o'clock, uh, for example, I mean, we have got guests coming up. Our next guest is going to be a gentleman named uh, George Slaughter who wrote the book on Spring Branch History. So if you want to learn about Spring Branch history in the villages, he's going to talk about that through his book that he wrote back in 2011. And that's going to be on, once again, Wednesday at 7 o'clock, next Wednesday, September 9th. Uh, and then we have uh, October 21st, we have uh, you know Robert Sackowitz is coming on the show, oh, the Merchant wow. Prince. So he'll be talking about his experience growing up in Houston and what that was like. So these are fun conversations. They last an hour long. You what can is also, the, name of your, what, the name of your program? You know, program. It's very simple. It's just called Live from the Heritage Society with Mr. McKinney. We made it so simple Love as it. possible, but it's yeah. brand and new, and uh, we've had some great guests on so far. We've got all the way until uh, November 18th, and we stop November 18th, uh, and then we go on. Uh, we kick back up in January, so that'll be our second season, and it's done really well. We've had lots of engagements on Facebook, because you can actually chime in. So as we're interviewing Robert Sackowitz, Bob, you can say, hey, you know, so-and-so, so-and-so, and ask questions, and I'm, I'm with the computer. The screen's coming up live. Uh, we just had last night on the show, which is Wednesday, we had with us a gentleman named Daniel Monsanto, who wrote the book about H- 
Houston Postcards. So we talked about the history of Houston Postcards, 184 years through vintage postcards that we showed on a big screen, and also he brought some in from his personal collection. So, you know, it's a fun way to promote Houston history. Mike Acosta just came on, the official Astros historian and authentication manager for the Astros Baseball Club, and we talked about the history of, yeah, of baseball in Houston, the early years, mm-hmm. pre-Astros, the, you know, the, the Houston Buffs, and, mm-hmm. you know, then talked about the future of the Colt 45s and then the fruition of the Astros themselves. And the are, building. are you archiving those? Because it would be really cool to yes. archive them on the Heritage Society site. Yeah, they are, yeah. actually. Thank you for bringing that up, because they're on the Facebook page at the Heritage Society, so you can go to the Heritage okay. Society's Facebook page and see that, but you can also go to their YouTube channel. So we just uploaded last oh, night cool. the show that we did yesterday, so we upload them really quickly, and people share them, and I just love the engagements that we get, because you can, when people are popping in on Facebook, you can see their photo, you can see, you recognize their name, and, yeah. you know, like we're doing the Astros thing all about, you know, we're talking about the history of Judge Hoffines, so I asked a question out there, who had a personal interaction with Judge Hoffines, Roy Hoffines? People start chiming in, well, of course, Deanie Hoffines pops in saying, that was my daddy, and, you know, these are the memories, so it's just great to be able to have those folks jump in and offer their comments. It makes the conversation better. And it really just shows that collaboration aspect, you know, that we want people to to tell us their stories and do it in a way where we can kind of jump on board and then ask that person right then and there. So, And we get prizes, too, by the way. There's always five questions at the end of the show. So true to any educator, I want to make sure people attain the information that you you, you gained it, you have it in your knowledge, and and you, you learn from the experience. So we do offer prizes. So typically, uh, that's a lot of fun, you, five questions, and they're super easy. And you had to have watched the entire live show mm-hmm. to be able to get the questions right because they're, they're really all about that. So... That's fun. Well, uh, I was sharing with you before we uh, picked up Catherine Live, and we had an amazing experience at my daughter's school. Uh, She went through... the parents were at, um, acted as though we were the gatekeepers at Ellis Island, and they came through as immigrants, and we asked them the questions about what they were coming in, and they were dressed up, and it was such an interesting experience. And then wow. the next year, my mom had a, a major birthday. She says she's 40 again, so we'll wink, wink that. And we went to New York. We went to Ellis Island, and my grandparents actually immigrated through Ellis Island from Sicily. And I was sharing with you, last year was my dad's 80th, and we were able to go back to Sicily. And when they got married, they didn't even sign their names. They just put an X, and we presume that was because they couldn't read or write. And they traveled on a cattle boat for months to arrive here, and we were able to walk the same stairs. So if you can imagine, my dad said my grandmother would talk about the smell of the manure and how sick people were on this boat without a doctor and they arrive and they have their sea legs and they have to walk up the steps to go upstairs and see if they were even able to do it and it it gave me this incredible mindset of how we all need to really talk to our families about the history of our family the Mm -hmm. journeys that we went through to become americans what we what we lived what our our i mean when you talk about the cotton, yeah. I don't think of there being in cotton in Houston, but I know when I drive to Rockport, Texas, and yeah. it's that time of year and there's cotton see, on yeah. the ground and I'm listening to country music, old country, and I just get nostalgic and I'm like, God, we're so blessed to live in this this great state and in this country. And uh, with so much divisiveness, I think there's still so much to celebrate 
And I love that you're finding a way to do it through history. And Catherine, I love that you're finding a way to do it through art. I mean, there's so much art in Italy. There's so much art in Texas. It tells a story of the journeys we've been through. And it's the whole thing. And then people get so excited about it. And it's, it's transformative. And I think that's why. And then I also think some of these new green spaces, you know, people want to, this is a new world. And I think we're, everything that we're all interested in is going to be part of this new world. Yeah. Because, it, you know, it brings people together. And it's creative, as you said. You know, and then nature will be interfolded in history. And history is the layers. We need our layers here. <laughs> You know, so it's just, and I think we're lucky to be here because we can communicate and, and we can connect with people. There's nobody we cannot connect with, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm we're looking at now. you both. And, yeah, we're doing it now. You know, so it's it's very, um, it's an opportunity for a, for a new world and to be, as you say, Donay, you know, very positive. It's positive energy. We, we've always been able to come together in Houston and Houston's never been a, a real politicized place. You know, people people don't get into those discussions. They're diverse. And I remember years ago, like Mayor White always brought everyone together. And I think Mayor Turner has been such a, such a great leader and, you know, know, with the George Floyd, I mean, I think people understood there's a real heart here and people feel that they are part of a big community and the community is large and you have, you feel this and there's such a sense of, we want to bring the community together and we want to honor and we want to, we just, we have to, this is Houston and this is, you know, this is who we are. It's like, we have to know who we are. And I feel that here, we know who we are. And I think Mayor Turner has been able to tap into that. And I feel that, you know, he was on our show, the first, yeah. our first guest. Our very, Gonzo and, and, and the mayor. Yeah, Gonzo and the mayor. And they both tell great stories. And you hear these stories, these people's narratives and, and I remember he was saying as a kid, his mom would take him, you know, to get a soda. She was the maid at the Rice Hotel. And then when he he had a chance to, I guess, after Harvard Law School, go somewhere to the East Coast or interview here. And he interviewed at the law firm. It was in the building where he had the soda as a kid. And he's like, uh, OK, that's where I'm going to get go. And he was the part. So it's just so moving. You know, you hear that story. And to so, have that opportunity to do that. It's yeah, and you know, to come back here and. I don't know. I think all these stories here and it's, it's just, it's, it is. And, you know, we're working with Beck on a little project too. And I remember sort of hearing, you know, she was the co-founder of the magazine with Holland. You sort of see all these stories and everyone coming together and it's, you have these shared histories and then you have other people folded in. And like here again, we think, well, we've known each other for a decade here. You know, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? It's all part of that. And Mr. McKinney, we met it when you were at the alley. So That's we got right. all this history here, well, but then know- we're always folding in new people. And, and 25 years of Paper City, I mean, people really, and, and that's kind of when you know you've made it, right? I mean, you, you feel that way in Houston, mm-hmm. you know, when you've been featured in Paper City Magazine, and you and I both have had the luxury of doing that. Uh, and that's just an example. So kudos to 25 years of really leading Houston, you know. Um, so and, and Catherine's been behind that for, you know, 15, so. Oh, and the other thing is just very exciting. We'll get in a plug. I mean, I always love the, the rice plug. I mean, they just got this huge gift from the Welsh Foundation with the chemistry. That's very exciting. The hundred million dollars. Yes, and, I read that yeah. in Paper City yesterday. <laughs> the email. On the, Shelby's on the beat, and it's interesting. And then they have the, this new Seraphim Arts Center there. But also, like, you know, it's interesting. 
we're very proud of like the University of Houston. I, I feel good about, you know, and they, they're going to be the keepers of the Paper City Archives. So I think very yes. strongly influenced by Mr. McKinney. And we've done a, a big arts initiative for the U of H Public Art, which is 50 years old. So the U of H, um, their special collections are, we started to transport our archives there. It's exciting. We're, we, I would say we're kind of a quarter of the way there, but you know they're going to be keeping that and they'll make that available. And they have, um, they have the archives of Dorothy Hood now. They have Betty Moody, the Lawndale archives, Burt Long, the art guys. So this is, it's exciting because you want a place, you know, ultimately we've got to have a place where people can go, go find those archives. I don't know, just, you know, exciting. So we're, that's been a really kind of cool. And it's been that, what can I say? It was hot in our storage facility. It was a very hands-on project. <laughs> well, I love the women's studies uh, group and the table talk presentation. I was honored to be included with that one year. And it's just, it's fascinating the way that we have such incredible universities here. As I said earlier, the medical center, the universities, we're not just oil and gas. I mean, the access it gives to us and the opportunities are quite a blessing. Well, unfortunately, we've run out of time, you two, but um, so great to have you here. Thank you so much for everything you're doing. And this is the most, and I love the message, living the authentic life. I think that's just such a beautiful mantra for everyone. Yes. You are, you are, you know, you have identified and are inspiring people. Thank you. Uh, It's, it's something that we all struggle with um, daily is our journey and how to choose to be positive. I'm certainly meditating and praying and doing all that, but but hearing stories of friends like you guys really um, inspires us all. So I hope people were as inspired as I was, and we will be coming to you next week on Thursday at 10 o'clock. And follow us on Instagram because we're going to keep you entertained. <laughs> Okay. We know that. We'll take care and best to you and Rob and everyone. And thank you so much for having us. Mr. McKinney, it's exciting to see your pocket square. S- oh, oh wait, look at this. <laughs> so look what somebody gave me. Oh, my gosh. That, the pocket square. It's a mask. A mask. Love it. I love it. Oh, my gosh. It. I have my mask from Deborah Lindsay. Oh, I yeah. Deborah Lindsay. She's rocking with those masks. Dragonfly. And then I have mine. We're giving if you spend five hundred dollars. Right. It has the Hermes um, the ribbon patterns on it. Are beautiful. Yes, yes. Oh, I love that. That's elegant. Very. So we very can elegant. all be stylish with our mask by being safe. <laughs> all right, guys, have a good one. Okay, take care. Bye.